بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل على سيدنا ونبينا مولانا محمد وعلى عن سورة الحجرات سورة نمبر 49 and ayah number 6 أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يا أيها الذين آمنوا إن جاءكم فاسق بنبئ فتبينوا أن تصيبوا قوما بجهالة بجهالة فتصبحوا على ما فعلتم نادمين As I mentioned before the surah deals with how to behave with the Prophet how to behave with uh, Muslims and how Muslims should behave with each other at the time of war and a time of distress and even a time of killing and then you have the universal values for all human beings the adab of behaving with all human beings anyways in this particular ayah we see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informing the believers that when any news, especially controversial news, and news that will, might impact other people, especially believers, then that news has to be taken with a grain of salt. You can't just assume the news and the report is true without any investigation. So the background to this ayah um, Can we leave the front door open? Is it open? It is? The background to this ayah is that there was a tribe known as the Banu Mustalaq the leader of the tribe, his name was Harith bin Durar. And the Banu Mustalaq tribe is the tribe from which the mother of believers, Juridia, also came from. So this tribe, the leader Harith, um, he came to the Prophet except Islam. The Prophet ﷺ taught him all the tenets of Islam, the practices, and told him that he has to pay zakat. So Harith said, yes, I will oblige. I will go back to my people. I will present Islam to them. And once they accept Islam, I will ask them also to give zakat and pay zakat. So let's make an appointment that uh, you will send one of your representatives to us at a certain time, a fixed appointed time. And then uh, if any zakat is collected, I will submit the zakat to you. So that happened. He went back and most of his people accepted Islam. They all agreed to pay the zakat and uh, so on. 
So the time came near and Harith was uh, now becoming anxious that he has not heard anything from the Prophet of sending any representative to collect the zakat. So then there was this person called Walid who is also a Sahabi. Harith sent him towards Medina with the zakat to give it to the Prophet But as he went, Harith was a controversial figure. And uh, there were people in Medina who obviously had some issues with him. So this one, Walid, speculated that if he goes to Medina, people might just catch him and kill him. It was in his mind wasn't true, but that's what he thought. He was apprehensive. So he went and then on the way he changed his mind, didn't go. The Prophet them now expecting something uh, from Harith. Uh, nothing came. And this person, Walid, came and said to the Prophet them, these people of Banu Mustalakh, they don't want to pay zakat. That was the news he gave. So the Prophet sent Khalid bin Walid towards Banu Mustalakh to investigate. The Prophet did not take the word of Walid. He's a Sahabi, he's a good person. No. So he sent Khalid bin Walid to investigate what is the issue, what is the, the matter. So Khalid bin Walid went and on the way, it happened that Harith, the leader of the tribe, also came towards Medina, just to make sure that Walid delivered whatever he said he would deliver. So Khalid met Harith, the leader of the tribe, on the way, just outside of Banu Mustalakh, and Khalid sent his scouts just to see whether or not the Banu Mustalakh were praying, is the Adhan given at Fajr, and are they doing what they need to do? So his scouts came back and said, no, they're perfect Muslims. It's not absolutely nothing wrong with them. So then Khalid met Harith and said that, is it true that you are this way? He said, no, not at all, we're Muslim. And I sent Walid uh, to give the zakat, the zakat to the Prophet So Khalid came back and the Prophet obviously investigated and uh, examined Walid and asked him why he did what he did. He said, I feared for my life and that. So apparently there were no real repercussions against Walid, but this ayah was revealed to show Muslims that if you hear something that is going to impact any one Muslim or a whole group of Muslims, then don't take that khabar, that report, until you have done your due diligence, until you have investigated and that's not the way Muslims do business. Just because he's a Muslim doesn't mean to say he is going to be speaking the truth. So this came down as an adab of how you take reports from people. So this is how you said this is obviously for policy making in case that if somebody took Walid's word for what it was, they would have started a war. 
and that will be detrimental. Okay, so now you have the communal responsibility and you have the responsibility of appreciating the individual's report, his khabar. So the Muslim fuqaha with the Prophet uh, and his legal uh, understanding was there. So through his foresight and his insight, the Prophet did not take Walid's account uh, as uh, necessarily genuine. He didn't condemn Walid even afterwards, but he said, we don't do this. If there's a report and that report is going to impact some people or the whole community, then we need to investigate. That's called due process. Right? Yeah. We don't do what others might do that we have what we call in Urdu, Kachakan, Kachakan, that raw ears, literally. That you hear a nice, pious person come to you and say this. And he's your friend, he's your best friend. So there you have to, you know, understand that there's a process there. You don't go and beat up somebody because this person said this, because that's the reason why he told you. He wanted you to react this way. And yeah, so this is the adab. And then it obviously becomes a policy from the state. And so obviously it applies to journalism all the time. <laughs> not all journalists are true. Most journalists are not true, usually. Yeah. So even generally, if you get a report from this, this station, this station, take it with a grain of salt before the matter becomes clear. Yeah, this is how Allah is training the uh, Sahaba and the Muslim Ummah that you are now going to be leading the world. When you lead the world, make sure your khabar, the information you receive, is true. Don't act on information that is not validated. You have to validate the khabar. It obviously came into, you know, usul hadith, that we don't take a hadith for granted. What do the muhaddithun do? They investigate, even the hadith. The hadith has an impact for the akhirah of all believers, right? So when a khabar has impact for someone, in the Muslim community, you investigate. So you don't take every hadith for granted. Somebody says there's a hadith. I mean, I'm not saying that. You guys, I'm saying the muhaddithun. Uh, to the expert level, they take every hadith very seriously. So they look at the sanat. They look at the narrators. So they, they say, okay, this is fine, this is fine. So they will sift through. This is sahih and this is no, not sahih. And this is this way and this is this way. And that's why the science of hadith is now a very formidable science and that Muslims came up with based on this. You know, that we don't want anyone to say anything from the Prophet ﷺ until we can verify it and validate it. And so on. Obviously there are rules and regulations there that the muhaddithun know. But the general layperson doesn't know. So it doesn't be, uh, you know, it doesn't, uh, what do you call it, um, Behold, an ordinary person just to say this hadith is daif because he heard somebody say, how do you know it's That's not your department. So there are ulama who will never comment on hadith because they're not muhaddithun. They'll leave it to the expert. This muhaddith says this is this way, this way. So 
This is the way the Muslims must take reports and listen carefully and then validate. Okay, and then check and double check, as this ayah will clearly explain. If you don't do that, you will be guilty of hurting people and even perhaps committing a sin if you kill people without validating the news and the report and so on. So this apparently is done everywhere, at least in theory, maybe not in reality, but everybody goes through this process of validating any report that is going to potentially harm people and so on. So that's the adab. Now, it doesn't matter that the guy is pious. Okay, so we have to be careful here. Oh, he's my best friend. He does this and he's pious. It doesn't matter. Okay. If he's making a statement that's going to impact anybody, then his statement has to be validated. It has to be verified before you take action on it. It happens, obviously, in corporate America, in every company. There's going to be gossip, uh, there's corporate politics, and all of that. So there has to be now rules and regulations in place, policies in place, before you can start accusing people. Uh, this and that and so on. So I mean, it, it, it's well known now. But at that time, when the Prophet is now going to train the Sahaba to become world leaders, the khabar has to be accurate, not speculative. So if there's any doubt, then you cannot take action based on that khabar, that report. So that's an end. Yeah, oh, you who believe, if you believe in Allah and Rasul, then listen to this. That if a person who is sinful, a person who is unscrupulous, comes to you and brings you a news, a report. Naba. Naba is a report or a news. Then investigate. Investigate. Make sure it is true. Make sure you can explain it before you do anything with that report. Lest that you attack people out of ignorance, meaning that you have not verified the report. Now you're going there with ignorance. You're not going with knowledge. So you'll be guilty of two things. One is not validating, and the second is acting out of ignorance. The jahala. And this ummah doesn't work on jahala. This ummah works only on ilm. So that's now the adab of the ummah is that if there's gossip and rumor mongering, slandering, and people pointing fingers at each other, and so on. So that's why you need a system in place where you avoid this. To begin with, and then you will become now remorseful of what you have done. Right? You will be in total remorse and you'll feel sorry and you'll regret what it is that you have done. If you hurt somebody uh, or you have killed somebody or you have damaged their property or their honor, then make sure that you don't do this just because some pious person or impious person comes to you and gives you news about a certain person, then don't act on it until you have investigated. 
So now the idea there is that uh, in knowledge, sabr becomes a prerequisite. You cannot act on knowledge until you have investigated whether that knowledge is concrete or not. So you need the inner ability to be patient. And you need the inner ability to restrain yourself and not become emotional when you hear some news. And so on. Now, if you verify this, this, then you can show your anger, you can show your uh, disapproval and everything else that you need to do. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is now first of all saying that in front of the Prophet wasallam, you can't raise your voices. That requires restraint. The first ayah, second ayah. Now here, when somebody comes to the Prophet with news, then you cannot jump to conclusions and then start doing, because this is what the Sahaba did. So when uh, Walid came, uh, the Sahaba became very emotional. And they said, let's go and take them to task and let's go and do this and that. And I said, no, you can't do that. It's only because of the wisdom of the Prophet that you were saved okay, from homicide, from murder. Had the Prophet not been there, you with your emotion, and everybody's emotional. You hear something, oh yeah, Allahu Akbar, we've got to do this. We've got to defend Islam, the honor of Islam, which is a good spirit. But when you're leading a whole group of people and you're the Amir and you're the Khalifa or you're the Hakim or you're the governor, then you cannot afford any mistake. So you must do due diligence. So Sahaba wanted to go uh, with Khalid and say, we're going to now destroy them. Emotional. Yeah, so this is the discipline Allah wants in the Sahaba as now they're becoming world leaders. And they should not act on impulse or emotion or a reaction. Okay, you have to calm down. Calming down doesn't make you a coward. What it does do, it makes you just. Right? It makes you noble. So there, emotions are high. Everybody wants to go after somebody without investigating. You must verify the report first. So this is the other. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is asking the Sahaba uh, to, to inculcate so that they don't regret what they do. Uh, anyway, this is Now, this is the ayah which I just referred to that you must know that amongst you is the Rasul of Allah. And what does this mean? The Rasul is there with the Son. They know he's there. So what does it mean when Allah is saying to the Sahaba who are with the Rasul that you must know he is the Rasul? One is obviously emphasis. There's much more than emphasis. Like when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, O oh, you who believe, believe. But you've already called them believers. Why do you want them to believe again? So they already know the Prophet is with them. So why is Allah saying now you must know he's with you? Meaning, like in the first ayah, don't second guess him. 
لا تقدموا بين يدي الله ورسوله. Don't second guess the Rasul. Because if he makes a mistake, his mistakes are forgiven. Right? If you make a mistake out of jahala, your jahala is not forgiven. Because he didn't do your due diligence. He didn't do the work that you need to do. So this is how Allah SWT is saying that being with the Rasul doesn't necessarily mean that you know the Rasul. So you have to get to know how he thinks, how he behaves. Yes, you see that. How does he think? So you must understand the nuances of his thinking. What is he thinking? How is he thinking? And that came down into the Kibar Sahaba, uh, the greater Sahaba. They understood how the Rasul thinks. And they understand how he makes conclusions and how he now analyzes and, and where does he draw analogies and make analogies, comparisons, and how does he train you and discipline you so that you understand the spirit of Allah, of Islam, and the murad of Allah. What is Allah's intent for you on this occasion? Yeah, so this is how uh, the Sahaba. Uh, had to work hard to know the Rasul. Being with the Rasul is, I mean, you might assume sometimes that it's simple. You're with the Rasul, you see him, you talk to him, he says this, and you do it. And so Allah is saying, no, that's not enough. More than observe, or after observing, you must think. You must understand who he is and what he does and why he does what he does. So it's just more of an objective observation than a simple, casual kind of a companionship. He says this. So there Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants the Sahaba to think very carefully about the Prophet how he manages the Ummah, and why does he say what he says, so that you gain the same ability, and then you gain the ability for ishtihad yourselves. So it's more of an academic exercise for the Sahaba. They must now uh, move, look deeper into the Rasul that he's there with you, observe. Uh, that is the observation of the Kibar Sahaba, the, the greater Sahaba who understood how the Prophet thought and why he thought the way he thought. Yes, this is a very, very deeper understanding of the Rasul They all had it, more, some more than others, obviously. Right. So that is the depth of knowledge when Allah says that you must know that Rasulullah is with you. Fikum. Lo yuti'ukum fi kathirim min al-amr la'anittum. Had he followed you and obeyed you in many of your affairs, in many of your affairs, you would be hurt. You would be guilty of sins. Anat means to be hurt, also means to sin. Like in this case, where Walid is saying this about the Banu Mustalaq, that they become murtad, and all of a sudden you jump up and down and you want to kill everybody. Now, had he followed you, right, then you would be committing a sin. So he doesn't follow you. 
So here you see that the independence of the ishtihad of the Prophet And here the, 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 the key word is kathir. If he followed and obeyed you in many of your affairs. You know about democracy. <laughs> in many of your affairs had he followed and obeyed. Meaning the Sahaba were being trained, but they weren't the Rasul. The Sahaba understood the Rasul, but they didn't have the ishtihad of the Rasul. They didn't have the intellectual capacity of the Prophet. They didn't understand Allah and the murad of Allah, the intent of Allah, the way Rasul. So when you say you're making policy and everybody wants to say that the Prophet made mashura with everybody. He did, but his independent decision was not based necessarily on their opinions. There were times when he made his own opinion. And there were times when the Sahaba didn't like his opinion, as he saw in Hudaybiyah. Right? So the independent decision-making prerogative is of the Rasul, sallallahu His authority is absolute. So now, he understood everything there is to understand about due diligence and leadership. So even though Walid is a Sahabi and in the eyes of the Rasul, he is a good man, he didn't take his word for it. He investigated. No, I mean, this doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. That a whole tribe will just become murtad. So he said no. He sent Khalid to investigate and it turned out that his khabar and his report was false. And that is how uh, the Prophet saved the Sahaba, uh, came from, as I said, homicide and murder. So you don't want to be guilty of that just because of an emotion and a reaction and not doing what you need to do. So here this eye is supreme in understanding the value of the Rasul وسلم, is the, you know, the, the, the um, raising of the companions in developing them and helping them understand Islam uh, in, a, in a very coherent and consistent way, where you don't jump to conclusions simply because you hear something. You know. So, this ayah or this part of the ayah seems to say something else hmm? other than what is mentioned in the first part of the ayah. Hmm. That the Rasul is there with you. So this is why this word lakin is a very valuable word. How the Muslim Mufassirun understood these. Uh, great nuances. Lakin means this is another statement here. It's not a continuation. Hmm. The truth of the matter is, Lakin, the truth of the matter is, Allah has endured now Iman for you. He has made Iman dear and beloved to you. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is now also training you and then giving you discipline, etc. So the truth is that because the Rasul is there amongst you, Allah is the one who wants you to love 
Allah and love Iman, and love Islam. <coughs> yeah. It is Allah's follow on him, as you will see at the end of the ayah or the next ayah. Yeah. Because Allah's Fadl is with you and He has placed you amongst uh, the Rasul Sallallahu He wants you to love Iman. Meaning you loving Iman has less to do with you loving Iman. It has more to do with Allah making you love Iman. And there's a very subtle difference. Then you can't claim I love Allah and the Rasul and Islam. You'll say, you will say, Allah has made Islam dear to me. So who's the file there? Who, who, who's the active agent? Allah is the active agent. Then you take away your role in your Iman Islam also, which is the height of humbleness, which is a discipline, which is how you know that there's ikhlas there. And that's why when you have this approach, then you say, okay, what does Allah want? Instead of saying, what does Islam say? Right? So you, have, you must understand the murad of Allah. What is Allah's intent? What does Allah want me to do? That you learn from the Rasul. Because the Rasul only does what Allah wants him to do, even though it might hurt the Rasul. Even though it might be uh, what you call detrimental to Rasul and his reputation. So the Rasul has no nafs. He does what Allah wants him to do. He doesn't do what he wants to do. There are many occasions in the seerah where the Rasul had to concede to what Allah wanted him to do. Uh, even though he knew the society will take him to task. As in the case of you know, marrying Zainab, right, the divorced wife of Zaid, who apparently the Quraysh said that he is the son of Rasul. Even though the adopted, uh, adopted son is not a son in reality. So he, the, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, wanted the Rasul to show people that marrying the divorced wife of the adopted son is not haram. For that, he had to go out in the community, announce that I married Zainab. And obviously everything... Yeah, Hell broke loose. <laughs> right? The Quraysh attacked him immediately. And the Rasul knew this would happen. So now there's no kind of question of expedient politicking and measuring the outcome and the effects. Right? No, Allah wants you to do this. That's it. Finish. So the Rasul does what Allah wants him. So that is the murad of Allah. That is the intent of Allah. So likewise, when you understand that the Rasul only does what Allah wants him to, then that's a much higher level of Iman, much higher level of love, because then you don't have your nafs. So that is how you must see. So now, here we see that uh, the, 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 the emotional attachment to Islam is there, it's necessary. But when you're running a government, you cannot afford to let people loose with their emotions because they will destroy the infrastructure. You can't be that emotional, especially you have to keep the infrastructure intact before you go out vandalizing everything you've built. 
So here Allah is saying to the Sahaba, you're going to be world leaders. You're going to be ruling. And you're going to have people come to you and they will start this fitna, this fitna, this, which is going to be the next theme, actually. And they didn't cause trouble. There'll be rumor mongers. So you have to get it straight from the day that this happens. That you must be able to ascertain what is the truth. So if Islam stands for the truth, then you have to prove that this is the truth. Especially in your news reports and in your scouts and your intelligence and so on. So when you're ruling, you're going to have intelligence. Huh? Every country has it. <laughs> huh? That's how the world works. Nothing wrong with it. It's the way you have to protect yourself. So here, Allah is now forecasting that after this, this Surah Fatah, where there's an open victory and now Islam is there in the whole of the Jazeera, the peninsula, you are now going to be a governing body. When you are a governing body, rule with truth and rule with justice. Don't rule based on simple emotion. And that's why people must understand just a little bit about the fiqh of Islam before they go out into the streets shouting Islam. Understand how does this actually play out? What are the rules of engagement? Is this what is what I'm doing allowed or not in the first place? Yeah. So that is how uh, we must train ourselves. So that's the meaning of the ayah. Know that the Rasul is with you. Learn from him. Intellectually learn from him. You must engage with that kind of dialogue and discourse with the Rasul. That the Rasul is there to teach you and to discipline you. Now, Alhamdulillah, Allah is there. Allah came to the rescue of the Sahaba through the Rasul And Allah is now saying the truth of the matter is that if Allah did not make you love Iman in the first place, you would not be Muslim. Allah is now taking us to another conversation. Allah is the one who has placed love for Iman in your hearts. He has adorned it in your hearts. He's made Islam pleasing to you in your hearts. He's made the Rasul, the Quran, the Sunnah, Islam pleasing to you. He's decorated it for you. Because there's another one who decorates and adorns. Who's that? Iblis. Iblis also adorns and decorates good deeds in the form of, you know, bad deeds in the form of good deeds. And that's how people do what they do. And that's how they commit sin. Because sin is now adorned in the minds, in the psyche, in the hearts of people who commit sin. So one agent is the devil and the other agent is Allah. When Allah is, when he's the agent, he's the one who now places that love for the Rasul and Iman in your hearts. He decorates it in your heart. He is now the active agent. You have nothing to do with it. So your Iman is not something what we call Kasbi. Your Iman now is Wahhabi. Allah gives you Iman. Allah gives you Tawfiq. So now you're a better community when you see all of this as a ni'mah from Allah and not as a result of your doing. 
And if you say this is the result of my, of my doing, then that's the level of shirk that you don't want to engage with. There's no class there. There's no sincerity there. So you have to be careful. Yes, you must love Islam. At the end of the day, you must understand what does Allah want you to do. So in the famous story, maybe a legend, maybe a true story, we don't know. Whatever the story is good. The Ali radiallahu is on top of the enemy and he wants to kill him. And then the enemy spits on him. And Ali gets off. <laughs> I'm not killing you anymore. So this guy is saying, why don't you kill me? You had me. I was dead. Said, no, because he spat on me. Uh, that, that instilled some anger in me. And I'm not going to kill you out of anger. I want to kill you for Allah. <laughs> right. It's a story. You can verify it if you want to. But anyway, that is how it is. So when the Sahaba, they now understood that the murad of Allah, the intent of Allah is far more important than what I do for my nafs. Right? So that's why you need the rules of fiqh. I want to remember Allah. You can't remember Allah in the bathroom. Why can't you remember Allah in the bathroom? Allah doesn't want you to. Right? I want to fast on Eid. You can't fast on Eid. But his fasting is good. No, Allah doesn't want you to. He wants you to enjoy Eid. So that's called fiqh. And that's the meaning of wa'alamu and the fiqhum Rasulullah. Understand why the Rasul says what he says uh, at a deeper level. And that is for the whole community. The whole community has a higher level of understanding of Islam than the emotional level. Rise above your emotions. It doesn't mean to say that you can't be, uh, what do you call, aggressive. You can and you should be. The Sahaba are very aggressive in their lives. They did what nobody else could do. The Tabi'in, likewise. They did what nobody else could do. They spread Islam across all the way from the Atlantic Ocean to China. You can't say they weren't aggressive. But they did it with ikhlas, meaning they did it with understanding what is Allah's murad, what is Allah's intent here. So Allah is the one who gives love of Iman uh, through his agency. Not because of what you do. So he's the one. And you must love Allah, then you must worship Allah. He decorates, adorns it in your hearts. And then, more than that, Then he makes you detest and despise kufr. And he makes you despise sinning. And then he makes you despise disobedience and rebellion. Isyan. Right? You will never go anywhere near kufr. Why? Because Allah doesn't want you to. I hate kufr. Okay, that's fine. That's a basic level of, you know, detesting. High level, Allah makes me detest. You see the difference? There's no one's there. You detest kufr. I don't want anything to do with kufr. The second is, Allah doesn't want me to be anywhere near kufr. Where now you're not your agent, Allah is your agent. And that is called ikhlas. That's called sincerity. So Muslims claiming what they do is theirs, that is wrong. You can't do that. That's not ikhlas. That is called, uh, I don't know what it's called. <laughs> self-serving. Very self-serving. 
Now, that basic level is still needed in order for us to remain Muslim, inshallah, but this is a much higher level. And the higher level is for the Sahaba to adapt and to adopt. This is their ranks in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa as you will see here, inshallah. Yeah. So meaning that we, 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 we want to detest what is wrong, and we should. But when Allah makes you detest it, that's higher. Allah makes you. So now then you'll never go anywhere close to a sin. When you, when you know that Allah doesn't want you to go that way, and more than that, Allah wants you to detest it, okay, then you'll never go that way. You'll never go anywhere near that uh, sin or rebellion or something. Yeah. These terms have many meanings and many applications. We don't have time for all of that, but there are differences between kufr, fisk, and isyan, and so on. Ula'ika rashidun. Now here Allah now gives a stamp of authority and a certificate for the Sahaba. These people, indeed, they are the ones who are rightly guided. Allah says, Allah is the one who has made Iman beloved to you. And then Allah says, they are the rightly guided, meaning the Sahaba. So this ayah is emphatic in showing everybody else after the Sahaba that the greatest Muslims are the Sahaba. So Allah emphatically says, These ones, these people whom Allah has made Iman dear to them, they are the rightly guided. And who are they? The addressee. Who's been addressed here? Who's been addressed? The Sahaba. So this ayah, along with many other ayahs, show and speak of the virtue, the fadila of the Sahaba which cannot be overturned by shenanigans, the distortions of other people who are misguided. The Sahaba are no good. So Lazna, the, the thing is, is that well, the, the, the first ayah started with one word, which is obviously very highly debated in tafsir. And that is the word fasiq. Oh, you who believe if a fasiq comes to you with news. So the word there is fasiq. So the question the Mufassirun they raise, which should not be a discussion here, because this is not for that discussion, is that what this fasiq, this word sinner, is, is, is it referring to the Sahabi, Walid, or is it more general? Is it specific or is it general? So Mufassirun say, no, it's general. It doesn't mean that the Quran is addressing Walid as a fasiq. It just means anyone who is not scrupulous uh, and they don't do their homework, and they don't do due diligence, and if they have a, now another agenda, which Walid did, Walid wanted to save his life. Not necessarily uh, a bad agenda, but it wasn't the proper agenda. Yeah. So now here, Allah is saying, you're all now forgiven. Why? Because Allah has now endeared Iman to you people. And now Allah has given you this, and he has made all of this kufr, uh, or what do you call it, distasteful for you. Now you are rightly guided. Well, Allah now says you are forgiven and you are rightly guided, so we have no recourse to blame any Sahabi for anything as a jama'ah, as a group. So we believe that they might have committed sins, 
but through their tawbah, Allah forgave them. And once Allah forgives somebody, there's no recourse for us to go and peck out of their lives and find holes in their character. That's not what we do as Sunni Muslims. We don't do anything against the Sahaba and we say they all have integrity. And so on. Why? Because of ayat like this, like this one. Fadlam min Allahi wa Now that Allah re-emphasizes the, this. Huh? Allah re-emphasizes that this is a fadl from Allah. Allah's fadl. It's not something that they chose to do necessarily. So fadl is something Allah gives uh, for no reason. And this is something that Allah says, fadlullahi to the Prophet وسلم, that Allah's fadl on you is huge. Yeah? That you didn't know iman. You didn't know the kitab, the book. You didn't know revelation. You didn't know iman. Now Allah gave you knowledge of that as his fadl, his grace, as a gift. As a divine gift to you, he gave it to you. It wasn't that you earned it. That's the difference. So now Allah is saying, you you didn't earn this rank of being Rashidun, the rightly guided, but Allah gave it to you. Fadlam min Allah, this is a fadl from Allah, wa ni'amah, and a huge blessing. And a huge blessing. This is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is addressing the Sahaba that Allah made you you because he wanted to make you you. Not because you wanted that. Some of them did. Obviously Abu Bakr and Umar Uthman Ali and all the Ashram al-Bashra. Definitely. They had the mindset. But most of the Sahaba, especially those who came into Islam after Fatih Makkah. They came into Islam in the hordes all tribes and tribes and tribes came into Islam now. Whatever niyyah they had, they had. But because they are with the Prophet Allah forgave them. And Allah gave them this honor and this rank so that other people know that being with the Prophet is a huge honor and it's a gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You don't earn this gift. Abu, Abu Jahal was there. Yeah, the one who understood the Arabic language much more than other Sahaba. He's a master of Arabic. They're, they're poets. They understood the Quran, everything. But they weren't given Iman. But Allah gave these people Iman. So this is the adab that you have for the Sahaba. That one is how the Sahaba should interact with each other especially when it comes to taking news and information from each other. And secondly, how does the rest of the Ummah see the Sahaba? So this part of the ayah is showing the rest of the Ummah, this is how you should see the Sahaba, that this is Allah's fadl on them. Allah's ni'mah is with them. So when Allah says he's given these people his ni'mah, who are we to take it away? We can't do that. Then that will be nifaq. That will be supreme hypocrisy. Allah is all knowledgeable. He knows where to place his ni'mah. And he knows where he is going to place his fadl. And he knows everything with his hikmah. 
with his wisdom that he does things according to his plan and according to his knowledge according to his wisdom so this is our lesson uh, twofold one is that in terms of receiving news accepting news acting on news from any person in the muslim ummah be careful there's a due process you must do your due diligence you must verify and validate the news after you validate the news you may act but you can't act on impulse and mere emotion and say this is what it is and so on now that that validation process may take five minutes it may take five weeks whatever it takes so you can't override the process because it's delayed right yeah. so that's how you see later on in the next few i add to this process of adhering to the process is very important not that it's result driven is not result oriented it is process oriented right so whatever result the process yields you act on that one not on your emotion or your whim or your fancy desire your emotion this is how muslims should behave and muslims should act and so on so they, 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 because it has to do with knowledge right knowledge has to be khat'i conclusive before you can say it's knowledge we don't work on dhan, speculation. And as, as long as Muslims understood that principle, they were okay. Once they started to act on dhan, impulses, emotion, then they were not okay. So this is surah, is about adab and discipline with the Prophet And then uh, adab and discipline of the Sahaba amongst themselves, adab and discipline with the Sahaba. For those who are not Sahaba, inshallah, may Allah subhanahu wa give us tawfiq to recite and understand the Quran and then give us tawfiq to act on the Quran, inshallah. Ameen, ya Rabbil Alameen, subhanallah, bihamdi, subhanallah, bihamdi, bishamdah, ilah, 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 il